0: Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 70, released on October 27th, 2010. My name is Steve Eunice, and joining me is good ba- my good pal, Neil Bailey. G'day, Neil. Good day, Steve. How you been?
1: Yeah, pretty good. Uh, what's new with you? Oh, I'm basically working on a webcomic, uh, doing a lot of good creative work, stuff that I haven't been... Uh, I was working on novels a lot, now I'm working on uh, comics again, and it's like shifting gears, it's really great. Cool, very nice. And uh,
0: lots have been happening in the Superman world since we last recorded uh, Radio KAL. Uh, Yes, indeed. Well, let's let's jump straight into uh, the movie news, which has obviously been the uh, big talking point this last month, with Zack Snyder chosen as uh, director for the new Superman movie. Yes, Uh, what was your initial reaction? I remember mine. Yeah, well I was uh I was you know a bit uh, dubious, not sure. I uh, wasn't really familiar with the name, but then looked him up and obviously was very familiar with 300 and uh with uh, Watchmen. Um I actually sat down and watched Watchmen uh just recently to uh familiarize myself with his comic book work. Um yeah, 300 is obviously that was a graphic novel as well. So um you know, I was impressed with the uh, with his work uh, adapting those comics to film. Um, but, uh, obviously they're a more violent type of film than I would like to see for Superman. Uh, but, uh, you know, artistically I was, I was impressed with his work.
1: Yeah. I think, I think visually he's got a lot of, uh, dynamic style in terms of like fight scenes and that kind of thing. I know, um, my first gut reaction, which I'm hesitant to share because I like to be of the school of don't judge it till you see it. But, you know, to be fully honest, my first reaction was, ah, and the reason wasn't because uh, I think he's a bad director, because I actually enjoy some of his stuff. Um, my my reaction was more like, uh, it, it'd be like, uh, I don't know, someone who's just not expressly in a genre making a film outside of that genre. And you can argue, hey, he's right. he's made Superman films, and that's the exact genre you're talking about. And then I would look like an idiot. <laughs> but um, what else is new? But the point of that being, I'm thinking more tonally. Like he does very kind of dark, kind of edgy uh, semi... not not necessarily humorous, but very very graphic violence, mm. you know? Yeah, well, I don't know how that would translate to Superman necessarily.
0: Yeah, well, I'm interested to see... Now, I wouldn't have gone and seen this uh, Legend of the Guardians uh, animated film that he's done with these owls, but um, now that he's been chosen to direct Superman, I'm interested to see uh, how he does in a different genre. I mean, there's still some um, action and, and and probably violence in this owl movie, but um, you know, it's obviously a different um area of filmmaking um as opposed to say, you know, and live action films uh, as 300 and uh, Watchmen were. Um so it'll be interesting to see how Legend of the Guardians is uh you know for Zack Snyder, what type of film it is and, and yeah, it's obviously you know, uh, aimed more for children, um, being an animated movie about talking birds. So um you know I'd be interested to see just how he does in that field. I don't
1: know if you remember but uh when we uh, first heard about Brian Singer I remember being uh even though he was talking in an entirely different genre um with his previous stuff with X-Men and the like. Um I wanted to give it a chance to see what he could do in the other stuff because I enjoyed his previous work. And I you know I'm not absolutely excited about Zack Snyder's previous work like uh Watchmen or um 300. You know, it was good for one watch, but after that it kind of falls off a little bit, unlike X-Men, which I've been able to watch a bunch of times. But uh, at the same time, I don't want to second-guess them before we get too far in, because that seems unfair. I think that, um, however, it's kind of been like in the last 10 years, especially looking at a Superman movie, which we haven't seen in so long, you're more circumspect now because of the mixed reaction that Superman Returns got, whether you like it or you love it. And I just, I'm, I'm wary because I know... So many fans are so incredibly picky, and I know nobody's going to get it right, no matter what, for everybody, or even half the people. It's like people are still going to be threatening to kill each other over whether that kid was a good idea or a bad idea <laughs> 20 years from now. But um, at the same time, it's like, uh, I i don't know, I worry about the whole dark, rampaging god amp aspect that has been kind of rolled about, and I see that they might... You know, Zack Snyder seems like the kind of guy who could bring that vision to pass, whether for for good or for ill. So that kind of makes me wary, even though I have no idea where they're going with it. So.
0: Yeah. And the thing to remember is that, uh, you know, Chris Nolan is overseeing this as a producer and in will as obviously has obviously had some creative impact with David Goya's script. So this is not Zack Snyder's vision, so to speak. Right. He'll be working off David Goya's script, which was co-written... Or, or overseen by Chris Nolan. So, um, sure. you know, it's not totally Zack Snyder's baby. This is, you know, something that he's sharing uh, with uh, those other creative guys. Yeah, so and if you look
1: at it in that respect, in considering how good he was at adapting material, whether you like the source material and what it becomes to, and at any rate, if he's got a good script to work off of, he'll go. He'll he'll go really well. And I, I look at Christopher Nolan kind of like I looked at Brian Singer ten years ago, as a guy who's produced two movies that I can watch over and over and over again and never get tired of. Yeah. And he, you know, like. I trust him as an artist, as opposed to in a particular genre, over Jack uh, or, or over Zack Snyder. So I think that could turn out well.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know the thing to remember also is that this is not necessarily an adaptation of one particular graphic novel or one particular story. Uh, you know, so he's got 70 years plus worth of Superman mythos and imagery to uh, you know to create his visual style from. So it'll be interesting to see just what he picks and chooses. Uh, from you know the Superman uh, seventy year history as his archetypal Superman, because uh, you know th- they've already stated that this is this new movie will not be based or inspired by any previous cinematic Superman. Um, so it'll be its own thing, and it's not necessarily based on any co- particular comic book. Even though there were rumors out there that because this is about Clark Kent finding his or you know young Superman kind of idea, you know set in the early days of Superman that um, it could be based on Birthright or it could be based on the Man of Steel, John Byrne uh, miniseries. But uh, you know, Zack has come out and said it's not based on any particular comic book story and it will not be inspired or have any ties to any previous Superman movie. Um, so you know, it's good that it's its own thing, um, but of course I'll be obviously drawing on uh, the 70 years of history to uh, you know, find their uh, archetypal Superman. That's pretty good. That t- that kind of dovetails tails us
1: well into what we were going to talk about next, whether or not uh, because you said it wasn't going to be related to any previous Superman. But uh, w- what about the word about uh, Brandon getting a shot at uh, auditioning again?
0: Well, you know, uh, you, it's hard to to know whether or not to believe most of the stuff that is put out there. You know, people are saying, "Oh, we interviewed him," but they don't actually post the interview, or they don't actually you know have a quote from him. Um, right. And that was one of the UK tabloid newspapers of saying that Brandon's. Uh, you know, there's a, a fan uh, push to uh, have Brandon reinstated as Superman, and that uh, Snyder was aware of that and would be giving him a shot. Now, whether or not that's true or not remains to be seen. Um, personally, I while I would love to see Brandon b- back, and I would love to see him get another shot. I don't think it's going to happen. Same thing with Tom Welling. People are saying, "Oh, well, you know, it's supposed to be a young Superman story about Superman in his early years." Well, that would dovetail so nicely into the end of Smallville because you know he'll be Superman at the end of season ten, at the end of the series, and so he can now go into the role of Superman in this new movie if it's supposed to be set in the young early days of Superman. Well, he just said it's not going to be based on any previous, you know, version of Superman. Um, there's, I just don't see. Brandon being able to come in because that would be tied to Superman Returns. And then I can't see Tom Welling coming in because that would be tied to Smallville. And this new movie is not based on any other previous version. It's his own thing. So bringing in either of those actors would weigh it down because they have their own baggage um, from their own series or their own version.
1: Yeah, and and, and it's just this tom welling thing persists but i would i would literally bet anything that tom welling isn't even auditioned or even remotely part of it and i understand the wishful thinking and i think he makes a great superman it's just the realities of hollywood is that they're not going to audition dean kane you know, you know, it's like they wouldn't have in if they had started the, the Superman movie in 2000. They would have been like, "Hey, let's bring in Dean Kane. People know him from somewhere." The, so many people have played Superman. They're not going to try and maintain any kind of continuity. And the whole point of Smallville is that Superman can be told without without adhering strictly to the continuity. You know, yeah. so it's kind of, but well, I don't, I don't know.
0: So, uh, well, what what would you say in, into the idea of an unknown versus a known actor? Okay, we've put aside the fact that, okay, say it's not Brandon Routh, say it's not Tom Welling, even though there will be fans listening to this going, oh, you're just glossing over them, they should be in there. <laughs> okay, just forget Brandon Routh and Tom Welling for the time being. Pretend that they have no chance whatsoever. Right. Would you prefer to see a known actor, a different known actor, or would you want them to go for an unknown actor once again like they did with Brandon routh like they did with christopher reeve back when they were first selected
1: i'd honestly prefer the best choice as opposed to the most marketable choice you know if they get a if they get a mainstream actor who can channel superman fine you know it, like who would have thought michael keaton could have ever in a million years pulled off batman and, sure. and there you know maybe he didn't do a great job but that's not the point the point being like uh, all options should be considered i think um i did however Come up with a solution to this whole Hulk reboot and Superman reboot problem. And that was the thing that I was trying to remember a couple a, a little bit back. But uh the idea would be okay, Brandon Ralph can play the Incredible Hulk, <laughs> Eric Eric Bana can pay the play the incredible Hulk in the Avengers movie, and then Edward Norton can uh no, I kinda screwed that up. Dang yeah. it. Well anyway. <laughs> Oh, that's what it with. was. Edward Norton could play Superman. Oh, there right. Oh, okay. right. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> No, but yeah, I think I think they're going to, uh, you're probably going to see a buttload of, uh, well, we we know we're going to see a buttload of weird casting calls and things like rumors in the next couple of months. But uh, I'm guessing just because of the way that they tend to do it, they're going to go with an unknown um, because they're just, there's just very few Hollywood actors that look or feel like Superman, even John Hamm, you know, they're, I don't know, that brings up that 35 to 40 thing too. Did that, did that get debunked or is that still potential?
0: Well, it seems to go against what uh, Snyder himself said about this being about Superman in his early days. So, you know, would Superman have not started till he was 35, 40? Um, does that ring true? It doesn't seem to. So uh, It seems odd. Yeah, but um, I just don't know if they have the time to start doing this whole search for an unknown actor thing because of the fact that they want to get this film out by December 2012 um do they have the time to do this worldwide search for an actor again Uh, i don't don't know know. all i know is i think we should caveat here because
1: you know like every time we say it nobody really listens just because we say it's unlikely that tom welling will get picked or that Brandon welling will get picked doesn't mean that we hate either of them that we picked either of them that we're sad or that we're happy we're just recording the news you know yeah and
0: not only that we have no idea they might get chosen and you know we'll have egg on our face but we're just going on our opinion just like everybody else is and yeah. we have no say either way you know uh, our opinion counts as much as any other fan so uh, or do- or doesn't count <laughs> as the case may be but well, uh, yeah, I was going to say outside of objective,
1: uh, you know, like whether or not it's going to happen or not, I could see either one of them as Superman. Oh yeah, I, I think it's all based around how good the the the, the creators of the film are. Um, you know, in an ideal world, <laughs> you know they'd uh, they, they'd be able to do anything with anybody, but uh, I I don't know the realities of the business seem that that these two are not really an option so much.
0: No, exactly. All right, well uh, the th- other only really other stuff we do know about. The Superman movie is that we don't know much at all. Uh, you know, we, there's been rumors about General Zod, but then that was kind of debunked, and you know, uh, Snyder said that uh, that's only a rumor at, at this point in time. Um, you know, there has been no real information about what the story will be, other than the fact that it's supposedly about Superman in his young days um, in his early days. So beyond that, really, it's all guesswork. Uh, we don't know casting, as we've discussed. We know that Snyder is the director. We know that David Goyer is the scriptwriter. We know that Chris Nolan is overseeing the project. And we know that uh, supposedly they want this film out by Christmas 2012. So we'll just wait and see uh, and follow the news as it happens and uh, give you the rumors as they happen and uh, take everything with a grain of salt until we hear from Warner Brothers officially. Yes, and be civil to each other, people. Jeez. <laughs> All right, well, let's move into Smallville, which has also been a big uh, topic in this last month with Season 10 chugging along. And, um, you know, in particular, we've had uh, a couple of episodes that we'll talk about, uh, firstly being Supergirl, uh, Homecoming, the 200th episode, and Isis, which was the most recent episode, as this episode is being recorded. Yeah. It's uh, basically they're trying to hammer home the season. You can see that. Yeah, well, let's talk firstly about uh, Supergirl. Now, this episode, to me, seemed to kind of be... I don't know, shoehorned in. It didn't really seem, you know, it seemed to be, okay, look, we need to, people are saying, oh, what's happening with Kara? You know, we need, she kind of was left a bit, you know, out there. You yeah, know, let's bring her back and, you know, uh, finish off her story, tie it up, tie up the loose ends. And it just, I don't know, it just didn't seem to fit well within, you know, having come straight after Lazarus, the premiere, Supergirl seemed to, oh, and Shield, uh, Supergirl seemed to, um, I don't know, it, it was great in some ways but not so great in other ways the whole
1: the whole season is just uh it, it's been following a fan service circle over and over and over again like it, here's where we're at story-wise because it's been 10 darn years we know he's going to become superman he knows he's going to become superman he knows what the name will be he knows what he will look like he knows that it will succeed. He knows that it will be inspiring 3,000 years from now. Why the heck is he not being Superman? And and then that kind of adds insult to injury when you're like, and look, here's Supergirl first, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I think um, that was the thing that b- bothered me most. Was there she was, you know, in her uni- red and blue uniform, parading herself yeah. around. Everybody who's anybody knows, or I mean, people know that Kara is Clark Kent's cousin, yet yeah. that wasn't focused on. Nobody seemed to be coming up to Clark and going, Oh my God, Clark Kent! This is your cousin, right? Yeah, well, it's it's that whole thing. Like all of a sudden,
1: people are going to accept that he was always wearing glasses after he pops them on after working at the Daily Planet for five freaking years.
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, all right. Uh, but then we got we had Homecoming, the 200th episode of the series, which in itself is a great milestone, and congratulations to them for reaching 200 episodes. And actually, oh, you know, it had its plot holes and everything, but. Homecoming was one of the first episodes in a long time that uh you know had me choked up.
1: Yeah, it was the first episode I enjoyed in a long time. And even so, you're right, there were plot holes and and stuff in the middle of it that just make you want to ah. But uh yeah, it, it it actually it didn't choke me up, but it it did feel like I was watching a Superman show or but but it's the thing is, underlying that whole episode, which was very emotionally captivating, was the thread of he knows he's going to be Superman. Why is he still putzing around? After that episode, there's no reason for him not to put on that cape. You know, he, they're ju- it's just very arbitrary and it's now infuriating. Before, it's like, well, maybe he has some reasons. There's his owners to take care of, there's his nagging self confidence, there's his daddy issues, you know. There's nothing now. There's nothing you can even remotely grasp at that would stop him from being Superman, other than you know, 15 more episodes of fan service. You know, <laughs> like check it out, Deadshot kids, look, it's Supergirl already. And while that's you know okay as an exercise, and it is what it is, um, I don't understand why they don't just throw the cape on him and give him a couple of couple of months. You know, but eh.
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, we've seen him. We've seen, he saw when he went to the future this. Big headline: Superman saves the day. Yeah, even he even knows, knows the name now. He knows the name now. Yes, but uh, he knows what he looks like as Clark Kent too. He could at le- you know, they could at very least make him look like Clark Kent. <laughs> yeah, and it was weird because the next scene after he's seen himself in the future, he goes to uh, to Jonathan's grave. uh You know, uh, tomb. What do you call it? He's, yeah, he's grave there, and yeah. uh, he's dressed in that. Uh, leather, red <laughs> leather thing with his hair slicked back the way Clark Kent had his hair yeah. slicked back in the future. Yeah. It, and,
1: it, well, and he hasn't really worn that leather thing first. I think they realized, oh, my God, this looks silly, <laughs>
0: you know? Yeah, so, but, you know, the whole ending to that episode with him floating, you know, because, you know, Kara had told him in the Supergirl episode that he needed to focus and lose himself in the moment to be able to fly and obviously with Lois, and that was, you know, I'm glad that Lois is the catalyst for something like this, that, you know, she, he was so absorbed in the moment, with, lost himself in the moment dancing with her, that uh, <laughs> he, he literally floated.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I thought it was a beautiful scene. The the sinister part of me can't help but chuckle and like, oh, look at him—he's hitting puberty at twenty-four. You know, it's like, well, oh, if his heat vision—no,
0: well, if his heat vision went off at that stage, then yeah, that would be his puberty. Yeah, later. there you go, <laughs> there you go. But, uh, you know, um, it, it it was a very touching end of the end of the episode, and um, you know, and it was good to see the bug boy return, and you know, the fact that Clark got to see that something that he did. Uh, back in his early days you know had some positive ramifications where he's been focusing on all the negative stuff so yeah you know it it kind of had that emotional feel to it and it was you know was well played and um, yeah yeah, there were issues with it and you know I didn't understand why that uh, teacher was you know so angry and then you know what that was played about you know that didn't you know, uh, Brainiac kind of brainwashed her to be more positive about Clark. And <laughs> yeah, think, that was a little a little suspect right there. <laughs> yeah, I think they had, from what I'd read in interviews, they did, intended for her to be the villain of the episode, but <laughs> then they realised that, you know, look, this didn't need to have a Freak of the Week. This just needed to be about Clark, um, more like a Christmas carol. Um, now, if only they'd realised that 200 more times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Freak of the Week count would be a lot, uh, a lot yeah. less... But um, okay, what about ISIS? That kind of seemed again. Oh here he <laughs> is a, you know one of the uh, the this tertiary character, one of the side characters, gets superpowers, and you know I think they tried to say, well, the, you know, here is a kind of a filler episode, but it's not a filler episode because hey, look at the end, Clark gives Lois, you know, his complete trust and says, you know, I am the Blur, which kind of comes off a bit sad because you know he should be saying I am Superman. Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: It's. He. The whole episode was just the Fiora episode
1: over again, you know? It's like every single year they seem to have an episode where they're like, let's make Lois out of character. And they've done less out of character episodes of late, but it's it's just. They're always bad. They're never good. There's like the only one that was ever really good was Red, and that was because it was the first time they'd used it, you know? Yeah. Um. I don't know. It's just, it, it It reeked of all the things that make TV bad. It's not that I mind seeing Lois in, in skimpy outfits, but it was just basically skimpy outfits for the sake of bringing in viewers and, and exploiting Lois, who I see as a very real character. And so that's kind of insulting to me. Um, and I, I also see the, the, the fact that ISIS has absolutely nothing to do with the Superman myth. It was just fan service for a very small group of fans. Um, it was... Also, if I remember ISIS correctly, from what little I know about it, she was a hero figure, not a villain, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, uh, it it essentially had Oliver Queen shoehorned into shoehorned into the story when there was no real reason for him to be. It had uh, w- what is Tess Mercer's character even anymore? <laughs> it was like so she suddenly walks in the room and she's she's you know like kidnapped young Lex Luthor and unleashed Luthor clones on the world, and now she's the new Watchtower. <laughs> It's like what, <laughs> you know? It's yeah. like if Ollie dies, she's gonna pick up a bow and an arrow, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of weird because I mean I like Cassidy Freeman as an actress. I do and, too. Yeah, know, and I've interviewed her, and she seems like such a lovely person. And, and yeah, it's hard she's to great. Dis- it's hard to dislike her as an actress, and so her character as Tess has just been so convoluted. Is she good? Is she bad? Is she evil? Is she not? Is she has you know? Does she have these um, underlying you know? ideas of her own, or, you know, what's her motive, and and, uh, as an actress, it must be so hard for her to play Tess, not knowing exactly what her character's role is, and, uh, you know, she's kept Clark's secret for so long, so yes, I guess (laughs) she can be trusted in a way, but giving her the, you know, and they they, they approach that topic, you know, Oliver said to Clark, You know, are are you sure we should be trusting her with this? And Clark says, oh, well, I guess we'll see. But he's playing with other people's lives, not just his own, because the whole Justice League are entrusted to Watchtower, not just him and Oliver. Well, she's murdered people, you know? Yeah. Like, like, it's like Chloe. She's killed people,
1: you know? She is not a hero. Same with Ollie. Ollie has killed people, you know? The the, the way that it's just like, oh, well, that happened last week, so let's forget about it. You know, like... um... But I, I can't even begin to fathom what her character's role in the series is. It, 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 she's been villain, hero, mysterious Lionel proxy, mysterious Lex proxy. She's just kind of there. Yeah, and she's uh, we... she's the editor of the Daily Planet too. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like what the. <laughs> and, we, uh,
0: and we, it's and it's interesting too because all of us seems to be working out of LexCorp these days. <laughs> Ah, yeah, but, uh, yeah, they bought out. They bought it out. So essentially, she shouldn't even be in. Uh, all right, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what fun- am I doing trying to figure this out? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's What's wrong. With- yeah, we just just try to just keep focusing on the positives, and uh, you yeah, know we've got future episodes that look pretty good. There's you know a few dark tones for this harvest episode that's about to air, and. Uh, A lot of uh, interesting stuff coming up and being the the final season. And there's been talk about, oh, there's a possibility of going 11th. And that was just kind of tongue in cheek, (laughs) kind of set off the cuff in the interviews, taken out of context. Uh, Season 10 is the final season. CW have stated as much. They're promoting it as such. Everybody knows it's the last season. And, (laughs) um, you know, they won't be dragging it out for an 11th season. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's just that's that's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, fans will always reach for more, but... Geez, you know, ten seasons—it's gone five more than they ever anticipated. So let's be thankful for what we got and focus on this being the final season, and look forward to uh, the way it will end. You watch ten years from now, not Joss Whedon,
1: not Brian Saunders, but somebody will pick up a, co- a pen and make Smallville season eleven the comic book. Provided we still have comics as a medium in ten years.
0: <laughs> oh, they'll do f- current, yeah, yeah, they'll do fan fiction for eleventh seasons, like they did uh... with Lois and Clark. They're already doing. Oh man,
1: yeah. Don't get me started.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, uh, let's move away from the TV uh, topics. Uh, The only other thing I want to touch on with TV is that we do have a Young Justice animated series coming, but uh, we'll focus on that when uh, it's released on Cartoon Network uh, in the I think it's next month. So we'll wait to see how that goes. But uh, comic books. You know, I feel like they're really like we stretch to find anything to discuss about comic books these days because there seem to be so few and far between. And they mostly suck,
1: <laughs> which is sad. You know, like, I'm dropping comics. I'm a big comic geek, and there's, like, no comics out there that are like, ah, they've got me. Yeah. Uh, all my good stuff is ending. Legacy ended, Deus Ex, or X Machina ended, and, and X Machina, wow. But anyway, that's a tangent. Yeah, but, but uh, uh,
0: you know what, before we talk about the actual Superman comics action, Superman, yeah. Superman, uh, Batman, Supergirl, um, I was looking through the solicitations for... January solicitations at DC Comics recently released. And, you know, the Batman section and Mm the Green Lantern section seem to be double or triple the size of the Superman section now. They absolutely are, yeah. We've got, what, four Superman titles? And that's stretching, that's including Supergirl in there. Two
1: Um, in continuity, and one is loosely in continuity following the exploits of Lex.
0: We've got Action Comics, which is just Lex Luthor-centric. We've got Superman, which is... Really, just Superman walking across America, <laughs> and then we've got Superman Batman, which, as you said, is not really in continuity. It's kind of just kind of, you know, floating around continuity in a way. And Supergirl, which seems to be the most entertaining of the lot. Yeah, yeah,
1: actually, Supergirl is my favorite super book right now, and I'm really beefed because they said that uh, that Sterling Gates was leaving. Yes, yeah, you Sterling know, and Gates that's and Jamal
0: Igel will only be around for another couple of issues. And, and you know, I don't, that's nothing against the guys coming after them. I don't know what they're what they're like, or what they're what they'll be writing about. Well,
1: they did that Chloe that that short yeah. Chloe story. Yeah, so sure. that's so far, that's not very good for me.
0: <laughs> but okay, so you know that's that's the thing. It seems to be that Superman is getting taking a backseat to both Batman and Green Lantern. I mean, yeah, great. Jeff Johns seems to be the driving force with DC Comics at the moment, and you know, Brightest Day is uh, his thing, and Green Lantern is his character, and you know, he seems to be running with the Green Lantern and the Flash these days, and you know, Batman's got this you know, all these characters and also the return of Bruce Wayne and all these other stuff going on. But Superman just seems to be taking a back seat and he's only in one in continuity book.
1: I I have enjoyed Jeff John's work and sung his compliments, so this isn't a knock on him. This is a knock on the way that the industry functions right now. When I say that this is what happens when creators take the front seat instead of the characters yeah this is what happens when you tell stories that that promote a name instead of the character they don't service the character yeah. now he's servicing green lantern and that's fine but the reason why people are buying the books is because it's a jeff johns book um and that's you know that's good for the industry and in that it pushes sales up and sales are just plummeting but at the same time I feel like Superman has just fallen right off the rails. It's it's been given to J. Michael Straczynski, and if yeah. you love J. Michael Straczynski, that's great. You're having a blast. But if you want to maintain a long term audience, you know this is this is obviously an experiment in character. Whether you like it or l- lump it, you know, like this is this is Superman walking around. And even the people who are enjoying it sneered derisively and goes, "Yeah, Superman's walking across the United States. I know, but I'm digging it." You know, because it's just it's built right into the concept. You're taking Superman out of being Superman.
0: Um, yeah,
1: and you've got one, and he's been there long enough.
0: Yeah, and you've got one creative guy, one writer, writing the whole Superman uh, continuity because he's well, the, the only whole Wonder, Wonder Woman yet. too.
1: He's got he's got
0: Wonder Woman too,
1: and I don't know. I mean, it's like Wonder Woman comics have been taking a dive lately too. You know, they're the and it's. Yeah. I, just I don't know. It's... I love these characters. I want them serviced. Yeah. I wish I could buy the book without a name on it, you know, even if they have a really good writer, really big name writer. We're not going to tell you who it is, you guess. But buy the book because it's a good book, you know? Yeah, and it's a Superman book.
0: Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Uh, all right, so Lex versus Grodd, what are, what are you making? I mean, I know Lex is one of your favorite characters in the Superman world. Uh, so, you know, sh- action comics would be something that it... you should be enjoying
1: it hit my big biases you know i really love lex luthor and i really love monkeys and apes <laughs> you know and um so it's like I, I i looked at that 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 issue and i was just uh i i, I all objectivity is lost <laughs> you know I, but um i'm i don't know what to think about them using death um yeah i'm open to it but i don't understand because it's a very Fringy character, but I want to learn more. I want to understand more. Um, I want to see a bit... They've had a good couple of issues where it's like, this is Lex Luthor and he's doing stuff. Isn't it cute? And it's been working well. But I want to see an overarching plot. Even even the uh, Superman walking around has kind of started to push that a little bit although i guess you can say he's trying to find the black ring energy but to what purpose uh hasn't really been revealed in any kind of respect um but yeah it's still both comics feel like an experiment in literary fiction and i'm all about that so i hate to condemn it you know because that's something i like comics when they take a step beyond and and explore the character a little bit but at the same time it's indulgent you know, and yeah. and it and it belongs in its own miniseries. It feels like, um, but uh, instead, the, it, you know, we got no bullpen action. We got no Metropolis action, and and I don't know. You look at you look at Superman walking around, and. They're not using it to make some kind of commentary on who Superman is. They're just using it for conflict, like he's having a little, you know, a little slap fight with the Batman over people who are dying. And it's like you're talking while people are getting killed out there. Um, And it's also it's recycling a lot of things that we've seen so many times in the last 20 years. Like, is Superman a public menace? It's like, come on. How many times have we done that? Mm. You know? Or, like, uh, like Superman, this is what I'm thinking, and you disagree with me, so you're going to not use your powers. But now I'm going to give you a catalyst that makes you agree with me, so you're going to use your powers. Um, and, you know, that's a, kind of the role Batman fulfilled in the last episode. But it's like, why did Batman even have to be there? Yeah. You know? It, this is Dick Grayson. You know? <laughs> that's another screwed-up thing. Batman is Dick Grayson. <laughs> you know? But, but um, like, you got Batman as Dick Grayson lecturing Superman. <laughs> you know yeah. it's like okay robin you know it's like why don't you just uh tell me how to handle being a superhero you've been out of diapers what three years you know yeah, yeah exactly. but that's that's the problem with making dick grayson batman in the first place it's not that i hate the character dick grayson it said he's not batman yeah
0: yeah and yeah it's just uh well i, I don't know i've kind of you know, been very disappointed with the Superman comics of late. I, I've enjoyed action comics. Uh, the, the Superman walking across America, you know, it's hard for me to identify with because you know, I'm not an American. And so him coming across all these towns and cities that uh, mean something to those living in those cities and possibly other people around your country doesn't necessarily resonate with me. And okay, maybe I'm a minority in the Superman reading world um, because I'm not an American, but um, it just doesn't resonate with me. Yeah, well it doesn't resonate with me as an American even.
1: Um you know, I've been to I I I've been to Philadelphia. Um and I didn't really feel like walking through that comic gave me a real real feel for Philadelphia. It gave me a feel for like the idea of confronting the working man and his problems no. in terms of like uh, plant and factory issues, but that's anywhere. Um it, it also confronted illegal immigration, but it was nowhere in the southern states. So, you know, that's uh, speaking as a, using that as a local issue. That's kind of missing the mark there. Um, I don't see what in the story so far makes it necessitate having him take a, a, a trip across America. All of this introspection could happen while he's still protecting Metropolis.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I i am We're three issues in and you want to give people some time to let something grow. But at the same time, I'm jaded and cynical and sarcastic, and you still have to hook me with the first issue, which is kind of a catch twenty two for four Mr. Straczynski. But um, that's the industry, and other people can do it, and other people have done it, and I want it done, <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we mentioned that Supergirl is probably the best of the super books at the moment, and yeah. uh, this whole Bizarro Girl, Bizarro World uh, things. Yeah, it's a bit of a, a trippy adventure, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I still don't know what the properties of Bizarro World is yeah, after having confusing. read it and whether it's consistent or not. Yeah. But I like the idea of Supergirl having a having a Bizarro version of herself and having to confront it. And I like the way it's being handled and I like that her impulse is to to go and help instead of smash. Um it makes me it feels very supermany, <laughs> Um you know, it's like something I haven't really seen in a while and 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 she um She's also a kind of a fleshed out character. She's got a cast that regularly interacts with her, uh, you know, Cad Grant and Lana Lang, and and it feels like like a Superman book. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm
0: gonna... yeah. It's and it's uh it's a bit of fun, you know. Which comics should be? They shouldn't always necessarily have to be tackling major issues and major real world issues, like you said, you know, like with people out of work and and illegal immigration and you know stuff like that. Let's just have a good action romp for a change um and you know supergirl's doing that at the moment
1: yeah well you can do both i mean there's nothing wrong with doing both you can get serious sometimes and and, and light-hearted on the other i think that supergirl's success has partially been because it's a mixture of both you have the serious with lana dying or with the uh with the the idea of her entire planet exploding you know or losing yeah. her parents that's yeah. serious stuff yeah. but of then course. you've got like Lighthearted stuff like finding out what it means to be a young girl in the big city with incredible powers. And yeah. that's just that's just servicing the character. Go figure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, the big talking point in comics, uh, especially as this uh, Radio KL goes to uh, the website, is the release of Superman Earth-1, the original graphic novel, which has been long-awaited, highly anticipated, and highly publicized. Yes, now, we've seen a few sneak peeks of it, the artwork especially. Uh, this is another J. Michael Straczynski uh, story. Uh, it's outside continuity. Uh, Earth-1 uh, is about a young Superman, like young Clark Kent becoming Superman. You know, It could well be something that uh, might be similar to the new Superman movie. We'll have to wait and see. But, um, yeah, it's uh, is this, it seems like a good jumping-on point for people who want to read a, a Superman story, Without uh, continuity weighing them down.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's um, a couple things about it that are kind of weird to me. Like, why is he so young? Um, what's the what's what 's the point of that you know why what is it going to add to the story mm-hmm. and what would it change it would it might make for a more immature superman or a superman that makes mistakes and i 'm not fond of that interpretation. I like oh. him being you know the absolute best moral person we can be it 's not that such a person could possibly exist it 's the fact that this is the story of the one person in history whoever you know who who really chose to be completely morally correct almost all of the time um, and to have him you know like I'm looking at these preview pages right now, and he seems to be dark and brooding and taking joy and burning this mugger's gun out of his hand, and
0: he's kind of, I don't
1: know if I want to go to Metropolis, you know. And
0: it, <laughs> Now, you read, know. you read a quote by Dan Didio in an interview there. Oh, uh, God. Me, please share it with us.
1: <clears throat> uh, we, we wanted to tell a story that's hip, sexy, and moody, said DC Comics co-publisher Dan Didio. <laughs> <laughs> hip, moody, and sexy. Hip, moody, and sexy. That's, well, you know, that's even from what I've seen in the preview, which kind of indicates that they want him to be hip, moody, and, you know, and sexy. Sometimes, you know, it's like when you're trying to plug the book, say the right thing, (laughs) you know, like, okay, Superman, is he hip? No, he's the original Boy Scout. Is he sexy? I don't know. He's got muscles, but he's wearing a red, blue and yellow suit. You know, it's like somebody shows up at a party in a red, blue and yellow suit. You're like, "All right." And is he moody? Uh, moody? Mm. When he's a dark god, um is he moody? No. No, Superman is like the antithesis of moody. Batman is moody. I would I I can't, I can't oh, using that word to describe Superman. Moody? Yeah, I could just literally Pop break my off. own fingers.
0: <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's uh, it's disappointing that they, that Dan Didio uh, uses those three words to describe. Oh, sexy, you know, I'm I'm not a you know I'm maybe the the ladies out there find him sexy. That's that's great if they do, but um, you know, moody. Yeah, that's not. You know what I want? What? Please, I want a
1: Superman. Us. I want a Superman that's idealistic. Yep, true to himself. That's two words. That's uh, words. Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 all right. Super. Well, I didn't. I didn't know Come I was on. limited to three. Hit okay. moody I'm and sexy.
0: Moody. Replace hit moody and sexy with your own three all words. Right. Um,
1: idealistic.
0: Good one. Human.
1: Okay. And happy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there you go. There you go. So uh yeah um idealistic so if- uh, idealistic happy human. Yes.
1: Yeah. That's I mean that's not so hard. Is it isn't that the baseline of the character? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like like why does he need to be hip? He's saving people's lives. Isn't that the ultimate and cool? I mean like he can fly through the air.
0: Well, let's uh, let's wait for Superman Earth 3 by Neil Bailey coming out uh, in... Never! <laughs>
1: I've made so many friends in this industry. Never! And <laughs> but, besides, uh, I don't want to take him in a new and interesting direction. I just want to tell character stories. So that's a guarantee I'm never going to get a shot at that.
0: <laughs> Alright, well, I mean, we are prejudging it based on a few couple of pages of previews that we've seen on the internet, but Superman Earth 1 is highly anticipated and will definitely be a, a pretty big seller, so... Uh, We'll obviously have reviews out there uh, as you as you know, not, not long after this Radio KL goes up on the website. Uh, we've got a four man reviewing team uh, for Superman Earth 1. So uh, we'll wait and see what the boys, and Neil is one of those boys, uh, what they think of uh, Superman Earth 1, the original graphic novel by J. Michael Sosinski, and Shane Davis is the artist. So yeah. for that, uh, it's available as of October 27th and for all the snark
1: you know and for all the all the picking at it which you know is based around something logical we've we've had some experience with Straczynski's writing on Superman thus far and we've been granted a preview that's kind of lackluster to a degree but for all of that uh, you know, you guys should get it. You guys should give it a chance because yeah. even if it stinks, you're supporting Superman. Number one and number two, it gives you a frame of reference for
0: why you can, you know, why you would like something or not like something. And not only um, that, we've we've just bemoaned the fact that there aren't that many Superman books out there, and here's a yeah. you know original graphic novel that is leading this new uh, Earth one. Uh, series of graphic novels, so uh, yeah, you know, get out there, buy Superman Earth One. Especially if you're not a comic book reader, this is a good chance to buy a comic book or a graphic novel that will, you know, help you read comic books without having to know what the continuity that uh, has been going on in the uh, regular monthly books is. You know, yeah. uh, so uh, Superman Earth One definitely something you should get out there and buy. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move into the big question segment of the show.
1: Yeah.
2: Let's start with the big question.
1: All right. Well, last month we had the question, what did you think of the animated movie Superman Batman Apocalypse? Yep.
0: Yeah, so uh, we only had uh, a couple of responses to this one. I'm guessing that a lot of people still hadn't purchased the, the DVD uh, or the Blu-ray copy. So uh, first off, uh, who would we have?
1: We've got uh, Derek Stokely, and he wrote, I have the Blu-ray copy of Superman, Batman, Apocalypse, and as I mentioned on the Toon Zone message board, this is one of the best animated movies from DC Universe and deserves a lot of praise for the animation. My favorite parts were the fight scenes with Wonder Woman and Big Barda versus the Furies and the final battle of Superman and Supergirl versus Darkseid. Tim Daly has his best voice performance in the movie, and Summer Glau's voice as Supergirl was charming and dark at times, but was moving, especially the part after she was rescued when she learned her friend Lila was killed by Darkseid. I almost cried, and I don't I, and I don't when watching these kind of films, but that's how good the movie was. It would have been a lot better if Michael Ironside reprised his role of Darkseid and Carrie Russell was Wonder Woman. But the movie was better than Public Enemies and, and a feel good super, animated superhero movie.
0: Yeah, I would. I agree there with the Michael Ironside comment. Uh, the only part of Superman Batman Apocalypse that kind of fell short for me was the voice of Darkseid. It just seemed uh, didn't seem rough or gruff enough. But uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I agree.
1: I'm definitely with you there.
0: Okay, next was Dave Lewis, who wrote, Hey guys, it's been a while since I posted a reply to your questions, so I thought I'd reply to this one. Superman Batman Apocalypse was awesome. It had a lot of heart, and it was really cool to see Superman vaporize about 10 million doomsdays. Epic. Even if even Mrs. Dave liked it. I can't wait to see All-Star Superman. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Dave. Uh, and that were the only two responses we got to this big question, but uh, let's hope we get uh, more responses to our next Big question, which is What do you think of Zack Snyder being selected to direct the new
1: Superman movie? I'm sure there's nobody gonna have an opinion on that one though. Not Maybe we should pick a different one. Yeah, I don't know. yeah,
0: that doesn't seem to be a topic that anybody would want to discuss. Yeah. <laughs> but uh if you do want to get involved with the big this big question, uh letting us know what you think of Zack Snyder being selected to direct the new Superman movie, get involved by clicking on the big question button found at the Superman homepage. Or you can send in your uh, email response and we'll read it out. Or you can record your audio response as an MP3 file and send that in. And we will play it in the next Radio KL podcast.
3: In the depths of space rests a planet. A planet with a hero alien to humankind. A hero of peace and justice. A hero falling into doubt and turmoil. A hero who may be doomed. A hero who must contend with the loss of the greatest love He has ever known. The future is now in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, Issue 70, on October 27, 2010, only at PendantAudio.com. Supergirl's secret identity is on the line. What do you have against Supergirl? You're asking the wrong question. You
2: should be asking, what does Supergirl have against you?
3: Time is running out.
2: Hey, Supergirl, do you have anything to say to our viewers at home?
4: Uh, well, I, uh, um...
3: Can Kara find a way to stop her secret from making the evening news?
4: Can you try to sound like me? On a of with extra bacon
3: sprinkle or whatever. Find out in Supergirl: Lost Daughter of Krypton, episode forty-two, coming October twenty-seventh at PendantAudio.com.
0: Bailey's bookshelf. Oh, Bailey! Yes, Michael Bailey returns once again this month to review another trade paperback off his shelf. So let's hand over to Michael now and see what he has for us.
2: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Bailey's Bookshelf, the feature here on Radio KAL, where I walk over to the bookcase, pick out a Superman trade or hardcover to discuss, and tell you all why you should or shouldn't read it. This month, I am acquiescing to a listener request to discuss not one, but two hardcovers or trade paperbacks, or one absolute, though I don't own that one. Uh, And I don't know if I ever will. I, I will buy it very cheap if I do. I'll tell you that right now. But this time out, I am discussing the Brian Azzarello, Jim Lee story, Superman for Tomorrow. This story started in Superman number 204... And finished up in Superman number 215, and there were a bunch of alternate covers in between. And there was a lot of fanfare around this story because not only was it a bold new direction for Superman, as Chuck Austin was taking over the writing duties of Action Comics and Greg Rucca was taking over the writing duties of Adventures of Superman, but this story was going to be drawn by the aforementioned Jim Lee. The Batman Hush storyline from a year or two earlier was very, very popular, uh, mostly due to Jim Lee's art, though I I rather liked Jeff Loeb's writing in that. I kind of dig that story, but this isn't a Batman podcast, so I'm going to stop talking about it. Anyways, when it was announced that Jim Lee was going to be drawing a Superman story, fandom freaked out, as we will usually do when big-name artists are attached to projects like this. What we got was a story that, in the end, I really don't care for. The basic plot is this. I don't want to go into too much, because eventually, years down the road, Jeffrey Taylor and I are going to be covering this story in depth on From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, uh, which you can find right here at the Superman homepage. But the, the, the back of the trading card version is that a bunch of people have disappeared in this event known as as the Vanishing, Lois Lane among them, and Superman is trying to figure out where they went and is feeling very down and inadequate and begins talking to this priest. All the while, bad things are happening. Superman ends up having to fight Wonder Woman in the Fortress of Solitude, which totally trashes the place, by the way. And eventually, it is revealed that the people who disappeared in the vanishing basically kind of went to the phantom zone and there's this big huge omak type creature that shows up at one point and a general zod not the general zod a general zod the reason why i didn't care for this story uh, even though I did buy the hardcovers to it because at one point, and, and I'm kind of still doing this with the books that I own, I, I will buy the trade paperback or the hardcover version uh, just so if I want to read it, I don't have to dig through hundreds of comics. Uh, but anyway, the reason why I really didn't care for this story is it was kind of boring. And I almost want to say that it was too introspective, uh, which may be not fair, and, and that may indicate that I don't want a story where Superman's psyche is explored, but the thing is, is that the scenes with Superman going to this priest who is dying of cancer... Is are just very repetitive. It's kind of like you're getting the same scene over and over and over again, where he's just telling a little bit more of what happened on or around the events of the... of the va- I almost said the happening. <laughs> That's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> anyways, the, uh, the vanishing. And, you know, when you're reading that month after month, it, it starts to get to kind of a grind, and when we got to the end with the big finish with Superman versus, you know, the the new Jim Lee design General Zod, I didn't really care. It's not a bad story. The writing isn't terrible, but I just didn't care for it. And and here's another thing, which many people may consider complete and utter heresy, but I really didn't like Jim Lee's take on Superman. Jim Lee is a fantastic artist. I'm not going to deny this. I love his X-Men work. I love his Batman work. But for Superman, he just seems wrong for the character. It, it, It makes Superman look too menacing. And Superman is not a character that should look physically imposing all of the time. And unfortunately, because Jim Lee is such a big name, and deservedly so, I might add, but because he is such a big name, a lot of the marketing uh, images that you see with Superman, like notebooks and folders and such, have the Jim Lee artwork on it. And part of me is like, oh, cool, uh, you know, a Superman notebook. But on the other hand, I'm like, oh, it's that Jim Lee artwork, which I don't really care for. Not saying anything bad about the man, so please do not besiege me with emails saying, how could you say that about poor Jim Lee? I think he's a great artist, I just don't like his Superman. Which is why I really don't like this story. (laughs) And I think, if I'm correct, this is the first time I've ever really been negative about a story that I've covered on this segment. So, I guess there's a first time for everything. Uh, but that is it for this month. Come back next month when I will pick out another trade or hardcover, or maybe even novel to discuss. I may even go on like a theme and discuss the other um, Superman trade paperbacks that contain stories that came around, came out around this time, like the Action Comics stuff and the Adventures of Superman stuff, because I loved the Greg Rucket run. Until then, you can find me here every Thursday along with my good friend Jeffrey Taylor hosting uh, the show I mentioned earlier in this segment, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. On that show, we cover every Superman comic published between Man of Steel number 1 in 1986 and Adventures of Superman number 649 in 2006. And now, back to Stephen Neal.
0: Thank you, Michael. And remember, if you do have a trade paperback that you would like Michael to review, you can email him via michael at supermanhomepage.com. Yeah! Well, in the four,
4: hear
0: Super Secret Soundbite. Oh, oh. looks like... Uh, well, let's see. We got, what, four people this month? Yeah, you know, I thought we'd get more than four people being that this sound came from a Season 10 episode. It actually came from the premiere uh, episode titled Lazarus. And being that it only aired a few weeks ago, and it was a pretty easy quote from that uh, episode, I thought we'd get more than four people. But uh, the four people who did get it right are Guthrie McLean, Ismael Perez, Hector Lopez, and Sarita Luna. Oh, that's a pretty name. Congrats, guys. Yes, congratulations to those four people. And let's see if those people and more can guess which episode of Smallville this sound came from.
4: Well, if he does, they're definitely not from Kansas.
0: Well, if you think you know which episode of Smallville that sound came from, use the super secret soundbite form found at Radio KAL webpage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have, have their name read out in the next Radio KL podcast. Yeah. Superman Song Time question
1: for you steve is the official suburban superman hip sexy and moody
0: Hmm. well i'll let uh, you be the judge of that because the official superman suburban superman is a song by suzy quattro was definitely hip moody and sexy and <laughs> um this is from 1973 so here's suzy quattro with official suburban superman That's the show for another month. Oh my gosh, that went fast. Yeah, and uh, remember, if you do have a topic you'd like Neil and I to discuss on Radio KAL, maybe there's a song you'd like to suggest, uh, perhaps there's a trade paperback for Michael Bailey to review, or a big question you'd like us to pose to the fandom. Any and all of those suggestions can be sent to us via the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage, and Neil and I will try and get those ideas into a future podcast. But for now, that's the show. Thank you, Neil. Thank
1: you, Steve.
0: And as Tom Welling once said while
1: slipping on his red jacket so that he'd look more hip, sexy, and moody, caveat emptor.
0: You've been listening to Radio Kale from (coughs) supermanhomepage.com.